0: Hello and welcome in everybody. This is the Orlando Drummer Podcast, episode 17. We're cranking them out. How are you yeah. doing today, Chris? I'm doing so well. Awesome. Today. I like your shirt. That Daytona Beach Drum Center, baby. Ooh,
1: yeah. where did I get this shirt from? <laughs> Daytona Beach Drum Center. Yeah. Why did
0: I get this shirt, Adam? Well, that was, what was that, a year ago? Oh, it
1: was more than a year ago.
0: More than a year you ago. You have to
1: remember, 2020 is a oh, year that didn't exist. It was... <laughs> ever, we skipped it. And there was a blur. So, yes, it was a year ago. Yeah, by it was a standards. small little
0: clinic that I did out there, and you came and helped yes, out for that. And uh, a master class before. Shout out Dan, who helped us set all that up. Yes. Um, awesome drum shop, though, man. He had a lot of... Uh, a lot of cool gear he's like a yeah. collector too it's a yeah. sick shop hey if you ever in daytona um hit up dan over at daytona beach drum center yeah. and shout out for the t-shirt i got one of those too yeah get some, <laughs> get some
1: cool drums yeah man he hit a barton kit there That was pretty
0: he did yeah there was nice. a couple brands yeah. that he had of things that i'd never seen in really, person yeah. before yeah it was awesome it was a cool shop
1: all right so we'll start out the podcast with the ever-famous loop of the week. Loop of the week. What we got? Uh, this week I decided to take a step back in time okay. and do uh, <laughs> the Jazz Quartet Volume One oh. loop pack. Uh, loop two. Okay. And I wrote here that this thing is full of piano riffs to just spark creativity.
0: Sure. Through your practice. Sure, sure. But- Let's let him hear it. Jazz Quartet V1 Loop Two. Check it out. Kay. So i remember when uh when i was posting the instagram clips this was maybe three years old three or four years old pretty old loop pack mm-hmm. um when I was posting the clips you know i don't have a jazz background my extent my experience with jazz is limited to like high school jazz band so you know whatever i was doing back then and you know just using my ears to hear jazz over the years but i, I don't have any formal training in jazz i really can't like sight read jazz music um i can just kind of fake along and chameleon like decently well. But man, there were some uh all of the traditionalists like came out of the woodwork and they were like, "What well, you're playing your bass drum like is not where the bass drum is supposed to be." I <laughs> like, "I don't know, dude. I don't know. I just thought it sounded cool." You know, or I would put in backbeats and people like, "Why would you play a 2 and 4?" I'm like, ah, sorry, sorry." You know, so it's very easy to step on people's toes, but uh, a ton of fun. There's a lot of really cool Um, Like you said, like piano riffs and like little melodic elements in there Mm -hmm. that you can use to be creative. That's a really fun, fun loop pack. I wanted to do another one, but I didn't because I'm so hesitant to like step on people's toes. Like I don't want to pretend that I can actually play this that well because I definitely can't and I'm making up a bunch of parts. And yeah, there's a lot of like jazz heads out there that are like, that's not what you're supposed to play there? Like, okay. Well, I also wrote the song, so maybe I'm allowed to,
1: you know. <laughs> it on,
0: but yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can learn some jazz. Yeah, then, it's probably. That's a real answer. I should just learn some jazz. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's been the subject of every podcast so far. Has been. Adam hates jazz. Won't <laughs> won't learn it. Never learned it. will never learn it. Just.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's um, it's my initial interest in drums as a teenager was all of the aggression, violence, chaos, rebellion, all of those things that that are to do with drums. and jazz is like not that in a lot of ways. it's yeah. way more like touchy, it's a lot more finesse, it's a lot more um, just delicate in a lot of ways, which yeah. is what people love about it. but I don't know man my like my like core attraction to the instrument is not that I think that's why. Yeah, it's also really fucking hard. We should probably mention that too. (laughs) It's really difficult. All triplets, you know.
1: I equate it to um, jazz. Is the wearing a Gucci suit in a club with? whiskey and smoking a cigar high-class genre of course yeah and every other style of drumming is a beer in a bar (laughs) and you're half deaf
0: like that's these are the two types of drummers in the world exactly italian mobster and then we just have this like (laughs) this like redneck in a mosh pit this is the only two (laughs) drummers
1: oh god that's how I learned it. Which just, one are
0: you? Let us know in the yeah, comments. Huh? Are you
1: classy or are you trash? Yeah, no, that's I'm
0: it. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we have we've dramatically oversimplified the world of drums, but basically, <laughs> that's it. It's just those two. <laughs> oh,
1: God.
0: Anyway, this is a trash podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: This is a trash podcast. <laughs> All right, so speaking of track. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's your segue. Let's move on to Player Puzzle. Player Puzzle. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite segments on the podcast. I love doing this one. Uh, If you're not familiar with Player Puzzle, with so many drummers out there, it's really hard to tell the difference between all of them. But some of them stand out so well that they're very recognizable. And Player Puzzle will provide three hints to see if Adam can guess who's playing. And we'll see if we can stump him. Last week, I know I stumped you with Eloy Casagrande. Eloy
0: Casagrande. that was a good one. Gotcha there. You said
1: Joey Jordison. Joey Jordison.
0: Hey, the S on the sticks, man. That's so (laughs) relieved that you got that wrong.
1: But maybe today I'll lose or maybe today I'll win everything. Let's find out. So the first hint here today when I pull it up in my notes I'm going to listen to
0: sparkles. sparkles sparkles all right player puzzle one here we go so weird i felt like he did this little trick or she i don't know you know did this little trick with uh playing like overly simplified single strokes that sound like not that good of a drummer would play and then began to like up the subdivision and the speed and then added some like hi-hat barks and pulses where it's like oh wait a minute you're actually good you're just playing games out here that was very tricky very vintage sounding kit right very like thuddy and like intentionally dead kind of thing uh and it sounded live some chatter in the background mm, a little bit of chatter a little bit hmm all right don't know off of that one that was a really interesting clip though i don't know who would do that mm. okay what's our next hint for uh for sparkles here
1: well is that uh they're currently in a band with i'm gonna say his own wife because saying their own wife is just weird okay uh stacy uh, they've collaborated with Kanye West, say anything, and is famous for copying another famous drummer, Keith Moon of the Who. Huh? So this guy is in a band with his own wife. Uh huh. Now is in a now. band with his
0: own wife now. So I'm trying to think of drummers with musician wives, and the only one that comes to mind is Mark Juliana, because his wife is a singer. Mm. But her name is not Stacy. That's not her name. I know mm. that. Okay, so he's out. So, huh? like musician couples, that's really tough. I don't know. Let's go with the uh, let's go with the kit. Kit photo mm. here. All right, so click on
1: sparkles.
0: Sparkles. Ooh, what a vibe on this gentleman. Got the sequin suit, a sequin helmet. <laughs> Man, I that's... think that that's a disco ball. So, okay, like a disco ball cut in half, put on his head kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, interesting. Oh man, that's so tough. Okay, so we got like roto toms up top. I can't quite get a brand off of the the kit. Man, dude, I think I'm pretty well stumped on this one. I don't know. Oh man, I feel I... like I should know the wife one, but I really don't. <laughs> also.
1: I, with the photo, <laughs> I, you see, I I marked it over blacked his face, out his face, yeah. But then I <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I just messed up, and there's this little thing that says text right in the center <laughs> oh, that of was his you. chest. I figured it was just in the photo that you got. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look at it for a second. I went, "Oh, whoops! I I, I did that." That's hilarious. All right. Well, what what, what kind of guest do you think you have here,
0: man? So, I I wanted to say, like, I mean, the look of it reminds me of Yost Nickel because he played with. Um, jan in the disco Jan in the disco whatever that was like a big disco act that's what the aesthetic reminds me of the wife hint leads me down like a mark juliana type thing but i know that's not his wife's name and the playing is like super confusing super confusing i don't know who would play that i didn't get like a style off of that particular clip so i don't know who plays a dead kit too mm, i don't know i you don't guess. have to. guess you have to guess You have to at least guess. Yeah, I see, the problem with just like guessing is I know I'm wrong. Like, whatever drummer I pull up is definitely wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, you can just take the L. You don't (laughs) have have to guess. I think I have to, yeah.
1: So, you're taking the L. I'm taking
0: the L. All right.
1: So, the drummer in question is currently in a band with his own wife, Stacy King. Okay. Is famous for copying another famous drummer, Keith Moon of The Who.
0: Okay. Who
1: rapped duct tape around their head to secure their headphones
0: oh. it is darren king darren king yeah gotcha gotcha he's a uh, interesting so the yeah the clothing i wouldn't have known the wife i wouldn't have known with him we talked about him a couple episodes ago yeah, but not yeah. in player puzzle wasn't in that no. context yeah he's that's a good one man it's um the dead kit was probably one of the biggest hints that i missed for mm-hmm. that one because his kit is like no bottom heads, duct taped across, like so intentionally like Mm -hmm. cardboarded out. Interesting, that was a really good one for sure. Mm. It's also, I'm so used to hearing him in the context of mute math, right? That like removing him from that is sort of, you just get like this, dead kit funk sound that i didn't quite tie into him that's a good one though
1: yeah yeah he's uh he's not brand loyal to any sort of drum manufacturer he is cymbal though he plays istanbul cymbals
0: istanbul okay Uh,
1: and then uh yeah he's done so many projects that listening to his drumming it's it's so uh distinguishable from so many other drummers do you know um anything about the project
0: with him and his wife That's always interesting Uh, it's called
1: Sucre, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. S-U-C-R-E with a thing over the E. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, his his own wife is also, uh, she's a singer-songwriter. Okay. So when they got married uh, and he left Mute Math in 2017, he started the band with his wife.
0: Interesting. Yeah, the, the musician couples are always... Uh always interesting to me i don't know about you guys i never dated a musician never ne- certainly never a full-time one at all i've always wondered what that dynamic is like hmm. to to do the same job as the person that you're with that that alone is very interesting
1: yeah and seeing as how most drummers i feel like are competitive it would it it would get you'd kind of clash maybe i mean ideally you you wouldn't Right. If, if you were gonna form a band, there's no reason to be competitive. Sure, <laughs> sure.
0: I, even just the idea of like doing the same thing as your partner, even if you were like both yeah. electricians or something, like it's very interesting to have that much in common. I feel like most people there's more of a contrast than like the matchy kind of thing. I just always I'm always interested in that. I'm sure there's really cool like benefits to doing that for sure. Yeah,
1: having the same profession as your partner.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. one. All right, cool. Well, well, got me on Darren King, man. Yeah. That's a good one. That was All a good right.
1: One. So next up, uh, I couldn't even think of a name for this. I I don't know is the title. IDK, I don't know. All right. right, Let's check it out.
0: Player Puzzle 2. very tricky. I think I know this one. Okay, I think I know this one just from the playing. A couple of little mannerisms in there hmm. that only this guy would do do. do. do you want to give a guess now and just see? Um, well, I don't. I don't want to ruin it. I'll do initials, because I don't want to ruin it for anybody playing at home necessarily hmm. in case they're on the fence. My guess is M.G., That's my guess. And this guy is a very high level jazz, but it's also tied in with like, kind of maybe like funk hip hop somewhere in there. There's like an influence of that, but the way he implements it into like this jazz substrate is very specific. And there were a couple of little mannerisms in there that like, ah, that sounds exactly like something that this guy would do. So MG, Mm. those are the initials of the drummer. That's my guess as of now. But okay, let's keep running through the hints and see if we can't narrow this down.
1: Yeah, second hint. This drummer was born in New Jersey, lives in New Jersey, was trained to play classical jazz, but plays electronic-centered music.
0: Ooh, see, Hmm. two things. I'm not sure where this drummer lives, and electronic music I wouldn't put as like a home base for him. Hmm. can kind of play everything this particular drummer. So maybe I'm going down the wrong road there. Maybe, I'm Not could sure. Be. Well, okay, our kit photo will help because we can get some brands going. I at least know what this guy plays, I think. Mm, All
1: right, okay, okay, go ahead.
0: Okay, Gretch. That's in line with what I'm thinking, for sure. The very simple setup, for sure. Ooh, DW hardware is throwing me off. Is that DW? Oh uh, yeah, look at that. It could be bar, sure. it looks like it's at a gig. The sticks are Vic Firth, but black? What is a black Vic Firth model? Huh. And then, yeah, with the symbol set up in the Gretsch, I think I'm, my guess is about as close as I'm going to get with the plan. I'd be real surprised if it's not who I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with brother Mark Juliana. It is. Yeah, it is yeah, Mark yeah. Juliana. Mark Juliana, man. There are a couple things in that audio clip that were just like, oh, that's only... Only him. Something where, okay, he does these, like, for lack of better words, rolls down the toms, but he ends on the floor tom, and he has these little stutters of a left hand on the floor tom with the right crash. Like a very particular mannerism of how he ends some of these things. And, you know, when he did, um, what was it, VF Live? I don't know what exactly. Yeah, what it? performance. Yeah, those performances. Yeah. So they filmed those the week before NAM. And two years ago, I was there. And right from side stage, got to watch him do that, and it's a very, very particular little mannerism and then, yeah, I don't know, like I was saying, like something about like this this funk hip hop blend that he's able to sneak into jazz playing is really, really easy to recognize um so yeah, that was a that was a good one, man it, It's one of those people if you're at all familiar with his playing, it's kind of hard to hear him and and think it's anybody else. It's yeah. so specific, but that was a really, really good one, and funny that we uh mentioned him with the wife musician in the earlier one right yeah that was i was like, like oh
1: a, no he's on the right track funny
0: yeah oh. really really funny yeah his wife's <laughs> a, an amazing singer but cool two good uh player puzzles and you're uh one of two two weeks in a row
1: yeah one of, oh man so yeah i 50, got 50 50 four points now i think of something <laughs> who was it tony royster jr Eric and Prota. Eric and Prota.
0: Was it weird when you got me on? You uh, loaded Casa
1: Grande last week and then Darren King this week.
0: Yep. Absolutely. I need to study up on all of them, apparently. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we
1: got plenty more to go. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. That'll end it up for Player Puzzle. Cool, man. A lot of fun with that one. Oh, yeah. Good way to introduce the podcast with that segment move on to Accent or Ghost. Cool. Uh, This is a piece where we get Adam's view on many aspects of the drumming industry at large. And at the end, we'll get an approval, an accent or a disapproval, a ghost. Cool, so what do you think about looking to the past to learn about playing the drums?
0: Mm. That's a weird one for me. That's a weird one for me because I am one of those drummers who when I grew up listening to drums, my interest was always in what's popular now. So like, you know, for me, when I was in high school, it was like what albums came out this year? What bands are like relevant and cool and modern right now? I never. Ever had a phase people are gonna hate me for this oh, i man. never listened to rush i never listened to zeppelin um you name the old classic band with all these parts that influenced everything we know and love i never had a phase where i listened to them i i I'd, yeah i seriously <laughs> i'd have a really hard time playing a single part or recognizing a part from any of those classic bands at all. You know, I never had this idea that um, that drummers like that weren't valuable. I always knew that, of course, the things that we play came from somewhere. Um, but as far as like, as far as my personal interest in in rhythmic expression you know it's always been more interesting to me to to think about where we're going and what's being done now than to look back and say how did we used to do it right and you know it's one of those things like, an example i would use would be like like jimmy hendrix right like he was the first person to play licks that sounded like that it was a brand new sound and so he gets all of the musical street cred in the world for doing that but if you were to hold him against like Mateus Asoto, who is one of the greatest, like, modern living guitar players on earth. You just go to his Instagram, I'll put it on the screen. Absolute freak. Yeah. You know, th- there is no question of who is technically better at guitar. That's not really up for debate here, right? But we're also talking about two different ways to value playing, right? Like, has... Mateus Sissoto like like impacted the music industry in the same way like no probably not right like there's so very very different values I think when I go back in time and I watch videos of older drummers playing you know with without discrediting the value of their like creative contributions my lack of interest is rooted in the fact that I can watch 17 or 18 year olds on Instagram that are technically more proficient than them and that is again in no way like a knock on the skill level of drummers from 50 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago it's more so just that I'm I'm interested in the technical progression of the instrument and of course technically things are progressing at a way faster rate just like technology now than they were a long time ago right and This is also, this is a product of the internet. Like what happens when you raise a musician with access to all of the drum information in the world, all of the the rhythmic information that they could ever need, when you introduce them to that at age 12 and they're raised with an iPad next to their drum set, you get a different level of musician by the time that drummer is 18 or 25 than you would have if they had to like catch a bus to the music store and buy whatever book happened to be there, right? I mean, if you go pre-internet, the exchange of information was very, very different. It was much slower, right? So this is why there were less incredibly talented proficient drummers a long time ago right and now it's like you just open instagram and you see these absolute freaks and there's like more and more and more of them i think a lot of that is the the speed at which we're able to to exchange information through websites like orlandodrummer.com they really it's just all the internet it's the internet right so for me because technical progression of the expression of rhythm is what I'm so interested in. It is less interesting to look backwards uh, and sort of see the history of where things came from. But I say that having a complete understanding that there's value in doing that too. So if you're somebody who who really likes to look back at, you know, a different era of drumming and see where things came from, I don't want to make any argument that that's not a valuable thing to do. Of course you could argue that I'm missing stuff by not doing that more often, by not knowing Rush songs or Zeppelin songs necessarily. Um, I think it's personal preference, you know? I think um, like the answer to everything, moderation is probably key. For guys that have exclusively studied drummers from the 60s, like, hey dude, you know, we got some pretty cool shit going on nowadays if you wanted to kind of look the other way a little bit. But you could also say that somebody like me who has this pull towards like like the the progress of rhythmic rhythmic expression. You know, I think somebody like me could could stand to benefit from looking back a little bit and I have some of those aha moments like, oh, that's where that idea came from. Like, interesting. So, yeah, it's a push and pull, but uh personally, on a personal level, I'm going to ghost looking back at drummers. It is it's just I don't know what to say other than it doesn't personally interest me, but I would never ghost it for anybody else. Never for anybody else. If that's your interest in drumming is looking back and and studying the history of where things came from, who played what at what time, what they contributed and who it influenced. I don't think that's a waste of your time by any stretch of the imagination. So it's just personal preference. For me, it's a ghost, but it gets an accent for anybody that wants to approach the industry that way, or not the industry, but um, the art form that way, you know? Can yeah we? good question but tricky one for me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right
1: so kind of kind of bridging the gap between accent or ghost
0: yeah ghost for me i'll say that i'll say that it's a ghost it's a ghost for me i am so uninterested in a clip from somebody playing drums in the 70s I'm just like i'd rather like have you seen matt garska though like you yeah, know like that's yeah. just what my brain does yeah it's totally personal though totally personal
1: all right Cool. So traditionalists suck. That's the, that's the note that I wrote here for the answer. Uh All right. Next, what do you think about drum set replicas? And by that I mean copying a well-known drummer's setup piece by piece. Examples mm. would be Neil Pert,
0: sure. Buddy Rich. Uh, Let. Uh, oh my God, John Bonham. Sure, sure. Do you know, well, we're, so we're in the kind of the same territory. Yeah, of like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sort of. Um, I, I really, okay, if you were doing a cover band, then that to me is the, the exclusive pass for sure, right? I mean, if you're doing, I don't know, what's an old band that I don't know much Dream Theater. I know it's specific songs, Mega wow. Drum Set, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any Dream Theater songs. But like, for the Dream
1: but, Theater cover I, bands that are out I,
0: there. I, Jesus. Well, I feel like Rush is probably the best example yeah, of people who like... Led Zeppelin. Led yeah, Zeppelin, for sure. ACDC, all that stuff. And, you know, if you're playing the parts and they're supposed to be accurate to how they sounded on an album, then, yeah, you got to replicate the whole kit. I totally understand that. But outside of that if you're trying to like have some sort of personal musical identity, your own personal musical expression, and you think that the best voice for you to do that with was someone else's voice, by voice I mean kit, I disagree. I really don't think, I think it's a forfeiture of your individuality. That's what I think it is. And keep in mind, there are phases growing up where you'll do that because you just don't know what else to do. So for example, I definitely mimicked Travis Barker's entire setup when I was 16 because I didn't know how this drum set was supposed to be set up. He was one of my bigger influences at that time. I thought it looked cool, and I thought, man, I'll set my kid up this way. That's perfectly normal behavior when you're early on in drums. I mean, what else are you supposed to do, right? You don't have your musical identity dialed in just yet. You don't know what kind of drummer you're going to be. You haven't learned all of the mannerisms that you're going to use to express yourself. So you might not know how high your ride should go or what angle your snare should be. And as your interests sort of take shape and your your skill sets kind of emerge as you go on the adventure that it is to, you know, to play drums, you know, you start to fine tune those things and you eventually hopefully dial in this customized voice uh, which is your drum set and all of the angles and depths and heights and tunings and heads and textures and woods and you know all of that stuff ends up helping you paint the picture that you want to paint but I really don't like the idea of going through that process you know mimicking a lot of other people's uh, kit setups their voices And then just settling on that. To me, that feels like, again, it's a forfeiture of your own musical identity. I wanna hear what you have to say, and I wanna hear it on a drum set that you have designed, right? I I wanna hear the the snare tuning that you like, and I wanna hear that against whatever size rack tom you want. I wanna see where you place it. And you know, I remember one time, this was years ago, uh, when Luke Holland was over at the old studio, and he came and he sat on my kit, and he said, is this exactly how you play your drum set? He's like, did you change anything knowing I was coming here? And I was like, no, that's exactly what it is. Like everything, like to the inch, that's how I play it. And he was like, man, he's like, I love doing this. Like sitting in someone's seat and looking at every single detail of their kit setup. And like all these little different decisions that we get to make, you know? And he pointed out a couple things. He was like, dude, you're your hi-hat is so close to your snare. He's like, I would never play it that way. For me, it's like a foot to the left. Um, and different angles of crashes, you know, so, and we had a, a long discussion about like some of these little subtle differences that, that you, you find between different people's, you know, personalized setups. But again, you don't have any of those, those personality distinctions if we're all just copying people's drum sets from another time. So my answer would be, it's a phase if you're young, that's okay, that's part of the deal, it's how you learn. But I would hope that we graduate to some point of musical identity, right? You're supposed to be honing in on, uh, on your own personalized setup, and by the time you're, I don't know, let's just say 10 years into playing drums, I sure hope you're not copying someone's exact replica of a setup. I hope that's not the case. Um, so yeah, I would say early on it gets an accent, but for the most part, if we're talking about mature seasoned musicians, Hard ghost. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's a forfeiture of who you are, right? That's my opinion. All right. Ghosts all around.
1: It's, <laughs> it's a spooky podcast today. All right, that'll do it for accent or ghost. All right. Cool. That'll move us on into sleeper spotlight. Sleeper spotlight. Ooh, wake up, everybody. Dr. In this segment, sleeper. we introduce a drummer that y'all are sleeping on. All right? And then we'll get Adam's opinions, impressions, and
0: cont- criticism,
1: if any, okay. Hopefully not. Some killer drummers this week.
0: All right. It's hard to uh, do criticism when they shred this hard.
1: Well, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I mean, if, what were I supposed to say? Yeah, You're awesome. yeah. Like, if half if, of them. if we forced you to pick out something negative for each of these drummers, sure, I mean, you, sure,
0: you could trash yeah, could talk all day
1: and just ruin their day. You're but.
0: talking about their clothes and shit. <laughs> But drumming-wise... The carpet in this room is horrible.
1: (laughs) They shred. (laughs) Uh, All right, cool. So first up is Rob Avsharian. I'm butchering that. Okay,
0: it'll be on the screen. Yep, Jetpack
1: Boy (laughs) on Instagram. Only 900 followers.
0: What's up, Rob? What you got? What's up, Rob? Clip number one. loosey-goosey with those wrists. That kit sounds so good. Man, those Toms are absolutely dialed. Everything sounds killer. Surprisingly good mix, man. Um and it's it's also so weird. He holds the stick so low. I never understand how people do that. Isn't that weird? Like that. It's I a, do that. Yeah. You hold you hold that far back? I have enough
1: my fingers are long and that like has something to do with it the, the, the lanky the fingers big, big hands it, it's still i mean you've got enough control up at the top of your first three fingers so yeah you don't really need that much when your hands are that big
0: yeah and there's a lot of high level pro drummers that do that so it's yeah. certainly not like a like a good or a bad thing it's just interesting to me because it's so uncomfortable i also have very tiny hands i have weirdly small hands mm-hmm. um so maybe that has something to do yeah you're right like maybe the the length of finger has yeah, to do with like your ability the, I, to do that
1: just the length of i mean the overall length of your arm and your fingers and your hands and reaching into the camera yeah. right? but it it, it for some reason, you don't want to move the, your arms so much because there's a lot of energy being spent moving this much mass sure. this far. You want to keep your elbows in. So.
0: Oh, so you keep the reach by holding back a little bit. Yeah. yeah, And it's such a minuscule difference in the fulcrum that maybe it's just something you could get used to. Like if you decided yes. to hold further back, you mm-hmm. would just you know acclimate to that. But he holds particularly far back on the stick. Yeah. But man, some of his... um. The, the smoothness of those like Swiss Army triplets what or the, the, the flam work off the ride. I don't know if he went full bludge but like in that that realm, man, very, very smooth. And um, the, the kit just sounds so good. I love this kit sound. Really like warm, but not not muddy warm. Like a lot of clarity for being that, that, that much low end. That was yeah. awesome. So that was from Rob, and let's do one more from him. Yeah. All right. Ooh, a little artsy video here. for sure. His left hand was busy. Fun watching that left hand. He yeah. got a lot of... Busy, busy, man. It's fun watching his technique, too, right? There's a lot... You could see a lot of, like, twisting, turning, pushing, pulling, like a very, very uh, dialed-in left hand. Cool style, too. It was, like, kind of drum and bass, but not all the way. There was some other... I don't know elements of jazz and sort of like comping in a way that well i guess you do a lot of comping in drum and bass but um i'm not super familiar with that style but i thought that was really interesting playing choices for sure and again the audio that's the most impressive thing for me it's also weird the contrast when it sounds so good but like it doesn't not a knock on him but like it doesn't look that great he's got filters on it it's a weird like artistic kind of thing but the audio is like album worthy crisp like really really clean audio dude awesome playing for sure we know anything about rob like what does he do
1: uh no i mean just plays drums and just
0: playing drums on a good time yeah goodness only
1: only has about 900 followers man so let's get him up to 10k 10k by tomorrow Forty
0: thousand by 98 that'd be sick yeah why not just gained that in a day yeah oh my god but man this is why i love this segment like how in the world do people not know like he's an excellent drummer like very very good man Mm -hmm. that was awesome Cool. Well, yeah. Go follow Rob, man. Um, Instagram's on the screen. Check him out. Sick player, dude. Absolutely yeah. sick.
1: Jetpack boy. Moving on to a toy drummer. A Andrew Toy. toy. Drum. <laughs> Andrew with toy. 1,400 followers. Okay. Let's check him
0: out. All right. First one from Andrew. Gushy ride. (laughs) Man, how gushy is that ride? that's a good sounding ride man also what i'm most impressed with is like how you can play something that musical with four snare drums i feel like if i sat down at this kit like any kit with four snare drums and like play something using all of them that actually sounds good i don't know i'm used to one i just used the one (laughs) that was really impressive for sure um also tricky to have all of the backbeats with the right hand in the floor tom position i feel like that is a mannerism I'd have to work out like there on two and four, like to the right and low, like interesting. So I feel like he's definitely put in some time into this setup, but I thought that was really musical and a pretty impressive use of four snare drums. I don't think I could sit down and just make up something that musical with that setup. So I feel like he's invested some time here and um, really impressive, man, it sounded. Sounded absolutely killer. Good audio again too. Good yeah, audio yeah. guys today. killing
1: it, killing it. It was sick. Yeah, got one more from Andrew.
0: Okay, second one from Andrew. Interesting. So like such a, I mean, it's a weird combination of like, we like to put drummers in categories sometimes, right? So you got like your groove drummers and then your choppy drummers. And then there's like these kind of guys, which are a little bit of a hybrid like that. It's a groove. That's what he played in both clips, right? Like a full groove. But it's got a busyness to it. There's a lot, there's like a storyline within the groove and he uses moments of the groove to kind of hop in and out and that's would be his version, at least in the context of these clips, that's like his version of what the fill would be or the chop would be. It's like built into the story of the groove and to me that's a really cool hybrid way to approach drumming, right? Like to sit down and that's what comes out. You know, For me, that's so different than when I sit down at the drum set and what comes out. It's not that. It's not like a, like a storied textured groove where the fill and groove sort of is like malleable between the two. That's not really like what I would ever sit down and play. So it's really interesting to me to see someone whose expression is exactly that. Um, And again, the creativity with the four snare setup is impressive because I couldn't sit down and and do much with this kit and it, it sure wouldn't sound that good. Um, so that was awesome, man. Uh go check out brother Andrew. That was really cool, man. Yeah, it's a good Instagram follow. Guys like this, little mini stories in you in your feed. Exactly. You know? Yeah, the four snares is
1: what got me with this guy. Yeah, that's cool. That's super, super cool. Just an original idea. Mm-hmm. Great. All right, cool. That'll end it for sleeper spotlight. Cool, cool. And that'll move us on into Q and q and A. Part of the podcast where we answer any question. These sure. questions come from Instagram, they come from YouTube, they come from the forums of OrlandoDrummer.com, or you can reach out to me at Chris at OrlandoDrummer.com to submit your questions. Cool. All right, first question from Benny Sia, that's B3NNIE.sia, asks, okay. hi, Adam, as educators, how do we make effective lesson plans and manage different students'
0: progress? Ooh, loaded question for sure, mm-hmm. but... Okay, let me me say it this way. So, Benny. Okay, there there is a problem I see that sometimes very high level drummers have, drummers that are naturally talented. And let's just say for a lack of better words, You know, when you're really talented, like you don't have to try as hard to be as good because you're talented. It came easier to you. And we can all think of drummers that go in this category. Of course, we all have our own natural talents, but then there are the freaks among us who are just supernaturally talented or however you want to describe it. And I find sometimes that when those drummers get really, really good and then they try and teach, sometimes, sometimes they are the worst teachers because they don't have an ability to go back and assess what they did that got them to their current skill level, because they might not have had to have done that much at all, right? Or at least what they had to do was so minuscule compared to what someone else has to do. You know, we all have different paths to becoming, um, you know, skilled drummers. Some people, it's just easier than others. Life's not fair, that's just kinda how this works. And so, for me, I find when you have a really, really good teacher, Oftentimes what you find is it's a person who has an ability to reflect on how they learned things. They can remember when the light bulb went off for them because it wasn't always on. For some people, if you're that talented, the light bulb was just on the first time somebody said, Hey, try this, we we're like, Oh, I get it. And then you just you just kind of go from there. For a lot of people, and in my opinion, some of the best teachers, it wasn't like that. You know, you had to you had to really work at understanding or wrapping your head around different analogies different metaphors really getting in the weeds of the study of rhythm and then you kind of have these little landmarks where you're like man when somebody explained it to me that way then it clicked in my head and then when I played this part this way or this exercise from this book this way then it all clicked and I started to understand and as you can look back reflect on your own musical experience you know and and kind of catalog what those moments were and how they impacted your drumming that to me gives you a really powerful like teaching arsenal because for me all of my most powerful lessons right or like the concepts that I could share that I think are the most impactful I have them because I remember what it was like to not understand something and then to have something click and go like whoa now I get it and then that became one of the like one of my favorite lessons to teach that I try and share with people or repackage in a way where I can save some people some time, right? So when it comes to like making a lesson plan for a specific person, you don't want to just brain dump on them and say, here's all of the crazy light bulbs that went off for me and just hand it to them. You do need to assess uh where people are and, and really assess their own strengths and weaknesses because some drummers are going to be very good naturally at some things, and you don't need to work with them on those things. And other drummers are are you know, well, those same drummers will have some weaknesses. And so you kind of want to double down on those. So I would definitely, for each student, it's important that you take inventory of their strengths and their weaknesses because you don't want to just have like a template lesson program and apply that to every student. That's not going to work. I really dislike that element of like, um, like a fixed curriculum. I really don't like that because everybody's just an individual with different strengths and weaknesses. So I like the idea of customizing what you're going to teach someone, a lesson program or a curriculum, customizing it based off of what they're good at and what they're not good at. And of course their goals would be, you know, how you sort of orient that sort of stuff. You know, and as far as tracking progress with students, that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder because some people have a willingness to move on from a certain thing that they're studying too early. They get frustrated or they kind of sort of get it. Like, let's just say they got a C in the grade and for them, they're okay with the C and they'll move on. You know, it's your job as an educator to, to really tell them, you know, is the C really acceptable or do you want to get an A before you move on? Right? So uh, a lot of times as an educator, you have to implement some or you know force a little bit of patience on some students and go look you're not quite ready to move on from this topic i know we've done it two weeks in a row and i know you've practiced it a lot but it's not quite there so tracking that sort of progress man that's a that's a a uh, difficult skill to work on as an educator, a lot of finesse involved there, especially if you have students that get frustrated or a little bit impatient. Uh, so helping them through that is is really difficult. But my, my overall advice to this, how do you develop lessons for people? How do you track their progress? You know, the more personalized and customized you can make it, the better it's gonna be. You know, I would say avoid that trap of thinking you can design a curriculum that's going to work for everyone, that's really not how things work. And we've run into this problem on the site before. People will will log on and they go, what do I start first? And I'm like, dude, I have to know so much about you before I can give you a solid answer. Like if I had a go-to answer, for everyone that asked that question, to me, that's a failure on my part as an educator to treat people as individual musicians. Like, I can't just assume that we should all be working on the same thing. Very rarely is that actually the case. So I would say just, you know, be as personalized as you're capable of doing, right? Really try to get into someone's head and just understand where, uh, where they're coming from, identify the strengths, identify the weaknesses and try and customize that plan to them um, and then track progress according to their the goals their level of patience all of those things but customize it trust me that's uh i think you owe it to them especially if you're charging you know by the hour you know going rates for music educators 50 60 70 dollars an hour whatever it is yeah you owe them that personalize it so cool good question though
1: personalize it thank you benny next question from jerry salgado 10 okay he asks at what time of the day is a is it a good time to play so that your neighbors <laughs> don't hate you? I play from 5 to 7. Is that okay? I'm assuming he means PM. Yeah, not AM, a. bro. AM would be not way a.m. worse. <laughs> no. I knew i answer that for you. But even PM, I'll weigh, on in this, weigh in on this. 5 to 7, people are getting home from work. Yeah. Uh, if you're right next to your neighbor, if you're in an apartment, ooh, you're making people mad. Yeah.
0: So when, I mean, I would say, yeah, if you're in an apartment, right, during the day would almost be better, like noon or something in an apartment.
1: Mm, yeah. But then, I mean, hopefully you've you've set it up to where you've muted everything because playing a full volume kid in an apartment is like yeah there's
0: almost no way to really do that the complex will come and (laughs)
1: knock on your door and be like don't you're you're way above noise ordinance laws Uh,
0: yeah and i've done that i've played full volume in an apartment it's a let's be honest that's a dick move no matter when you it's an apartment you know it it, yeah so answering you know it's going to depend on your neighbors your neighborhood the spacing between your houses. I mean, there's so many variables. I can't give you a time. But you know who can is your neighbor. So what I would do, and this is not, it's not weird at all. Even, you know, you might be young, and I know it's weird for like 16-year-olds to act neighborly, Mm -hmm. right? You don't think about that till you get a little bit older. But I can tell you that that adults in your neighborhood, I don't know how old you are, by the way, so sorry if you're not 16. But, um, you know, being really respectful, knocking on your neighbor's door and saying hi, my name is Jerry, I'm a drummer. Um, I, I do play drums and I know it's really loud, but I'd like to time it out um, with whatever is most convenient for you. Are there any days or times when I could play drums that it wouldn't bother you at all? Like, here's a good example, when you're mowing the grass. When your neighbor is mowing the grass is an excellent time to play drums, cause who cares, they're making more noise than you, right? So, it's sort of things like that, but I would just try your best to not make it weird to be to be the cool neighbor, right? To make it where, I'll give you another good example, make them comfortable asking you to stop so they don't call the cops first that's really cool if they can come knock and say like hey jerry you know remember you said you play drums just it's not a good time if you could stop and you'll say hey no problem thanks for asking me instead of sending the cops to my door because the neighbor that you've never talked to that you don't know that's going to be their move they're just going to call the cops because they don't want to make it weird so it's your job (laughs) as the noisemaker to go make it not weird smooth it over make that a good relationship try to not make it awkward for them you know so yeah it it really it's going to depend on your neighborhood your neighbors all of that stuff but just do your best to be cool oh and there was there was actually a story i just thought of it uh there was a story I wanted to tell here so i had a house with a bunch of friends we jammed a lot and we had this neighbor older guy we didn't really know him that well but um older guy like i want to say in his uh, maybe in his 70s real older guy and you know we wave at him mowing the grass and stuff but we had always kind of wondered, like. When we jammed, the window that faced his house was, like, really close. We always wondered if this guy was going to call the cops one day. We never really had a chance to talk to him. And uh, one day we're jamming, and he comes over, and he knocks on the door. And we're all just like, oh, shit. Like, he's, oh, it's going to be so oh, weird. No. We, we jammed so many times, and he's probably so fed up and so mad. And uh, we opened the door, and he goes, listen, man. He said, I just wanted to come over, and I wanted to tell you you need to turn that shit up because I love it. (laughs) And this guy was like... That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, he was so cool. He was so cool. So he came in. He wanted to watch his jam. Coolest neighbor ever. He was really, really cool. Um, So that can happen too. You never know. But anyway that was one cool neighbor experience i've had i've also had the cops calling on me for playing drums before so it can go either way anyway be the cool neighbor smooth it out it's uh yeah you're the one making all the noise try to make it not weird for other people
1: yeah and hopefully you have a cool neighbor and they come up to you like i had this experience where i was in a band and then i did have a neighbor come up to me and he was like i didn't i didn't know you played it was pretty nice yeah hopefully you have that experience but the the tail end of that is the cops get called
0: and you have an awkward conversation with the cops. Yeah, and cops don't want to be there either, but just try to avoid that. No. Yeah.
1: All right, cool. Well, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Benny. Thank you for the questions. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can submit any question via Instagram on the Instachops page, YouTube, comments below, the members area of orlandodrummer.com, or shoot me an email at chris at Drummer.com. Oh, yeah. So we'll close out the podcast with... Um, a topic I saw in a Mark Giuliani interview. Uh, do you weigh more heavily on the side of talent or hard work in terms of being a successful drummer? Mm. So if, would you bridge the gap
0: between the two? Yeah. Are you more talented?
1: Hard did, work? Which one's more important?
0: That is a good closing out question, yeah. I think that either one is can get you to a successful drum career. Either one, right? There are definitely people who have done a minuscule amount of hard work but they were talented enough that they really didn't have to. That's that's a real person somewhere. Um, and then there are people who were born with little to no natural talent, natural ability and they just worked their ass off and then they also had an equally successful career. So it's not a matter of like which one works. Clearly they both work. I think Everybody has some version of a natural talent. You know, if you're playing this instrument, hopefully you've got some version of a talent here. It might be that technique was easy for you. It might be that speed was easy for you. It might be that the math part of drums was easy for you. Within, within the domain of all things rhythm, you probably have some things that you're better at than others. So let's just call those your talents. I think the sooner you identify those, the better, because it tells you where you don't need to put in the hard work. The hard work is really, you know, it's the hardest when it's when it's in in contrast to your talents. It's the shit that you're not good at that requires all of the hard work. And I think the hybrid of these two things, your natural abilities versus your willingness to, you know, to convert your weaknesses into strengths, like the hybrid of those is where you get the best drummers alive. And so my favorite example for this is always Chris Coleman, who is so clearly naturally talented, like oh clearly, there's no argument that he's not, come on, right? <laughs> uh, but also, the guy's got multiple music degrees, like you, you know, I, I know he's made it through New Breed that book, multiple times, he's talked about it, like, bro, you ain't getting through that without a lot of hard work, that's a really difficult book, one of probably dozens that he's made it all the way through, you know, so it's, it's those kind of people that I like to use as an example where one does not negate the other, you know, or, or rather, maybe it just goes one way, like you, just because you're freakishly talented doesn't mean that you can't work just as hard as someone who's not talented, right, and I think when you you identify your talents, your natural abilities, and combine it with Work, working so hard that it's like you weren't even talented to begin with. When you merge those two together, to me, that's when you get the highest level of musicianship on earth. Um, harnessing your natural abilities and working as though you didn't even have natural abilities to begin with and filling in some of those weak spots to sort of balance out your skill sets. To me, that's that's the hybrid that I want to go for. So, uh, But I think all of this becomes possible as you identify your natural talents, as you get to know yourself, you're playing, what you're good at, and then... In contrast, you, you figure out what you suck at, and that's where all of the hard work goes. To me, that's that's the way to look at it, um, because the reality is life isn't fair. Some people are clearly more talented than others, And some people work way harder than others. Reality is you only control one of those things and that would be the hard work part. But you can do this strategically, the better you get to know yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, you can appropriately place all of that effort um, and fill in the gaps to make yourself a more well-rounded musician. But it's a good question, man. We could go a hell of a lot deeper on that one, but very uh, very good question for sure. I think some people don't think about enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, well, all right. Thank you, sir, good podcast. Hell yeah! This has been You're episode welcome. 17 of the Orlando Drummer Podcast. We will catch you guys next week. Yep. T- take it easy. Bye. Bye.